Welcome to Bible Education Institute. My name is Reverend Henry Kelly. Today, the topic will be why God's way works. Why God's way ways works. If you turn to Isaiah, the Old Testament, uh, chapter 55, verses 8 through 9, and the King James says this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither... Are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. Verse 9, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So you see, God's above man. God created man. He created male and female. So therefore, the Creator knows the creation. So He created us uh, to be above the animals and the earth and all that. Uh, actually, he told um, Adam and Eve to, to you know, to subdue the earth, to you know, to do it, to to go there and you know, be over the the animals and uh, the trees and the plants and the everything, you know. But what's happened is people have turned it around and now they're they're actually worshiping the creation that the creator made instead of worshiping the creator who made all this stuff uh you have those that are um who uh, uh, worship the trees and worship the plants or some worship the earth or all that and uh or you have some that just worship things and uh, a lot of people say well i just can't believe in god the main reason for that is they want to do their own thing when they want to do it, how they want to do it. But we all have to live by rules. We have laws for a reason. The laws are there not only to protect us, but also to protect us from other people. Because if people just did whatever they wanted to do, there would be chaos, mayhem. There would be complete insanity. It would be a horrible way to live. Because people just do whatever. You just have, you know, bands of robbers and killers and murderers or whatever. And we just we live in a nightmare. That's why God's way works. If you follow what the Bible says, then read the Bible daily and do what it says. You'll be surprised how things would change, especially with your personal life. If you were to do what it says, repent, or ask God for forgiveness... Because of your law breaking or breaking God's moral law, the Ten Commandments, that is, have you ever lied? Then you'll be a liar. Have you ever stolen everything that makes you a thief? And it doesn't matter how long ago it was or how small of a thing it might be. A lie is a lie. A stealing is stealing. That makes you a thief. Um, if you take God's name in vain or use God's name as a cuss word, that would be... Uh, um, taking God's name in vain, which in the Old Testament, that would be automatic death for doing that because it's disrespecting God. Would you disrespect your mother? Some would, some wouldn't. The majority wouldn't because it would be disrespectful to their mother, the one who raised them and everything, you know, or to the father, same thing. But yet we do that for God who created us. Why? Because most of us don't understand it. Uh, they don't know why they should believe in God or whatever because they've never looked in the Bibles. They've never read the Bible. Maybe they haven't 
heard the gospel, or if they heard the gospel, maybe it was a watered-down version that says just come, be forgiven, and keep doing the same thing. No, that's not the gospel. The gospel means there's got to be a change. Repentance means to turn, to turn away from law-breaking, from iniquity, which is law-breaking, breaking God's moral law, the Ten Commandments. Then we only looked at, what, three, I believe. Then you only have to break one to be guilty of all, because that's what the Bible says. Therefore, we're all sinners. We need someone to come and help us so god sent his son jesus which is actually god in the flesh came down lived a sinless life a perfect life without breaking any of god's laws the ten commandments because you had to have a a holy sacrifice then he came and he lived for three years spreading the good news the gospel the real true gospel then he went to a roman's cross to pay the ten to pay the penalty for all mankind and before he even got to the cross he was whipped and he was beaten for our transgressions transgressions means sins sin is breaking god's law the ten commandments and he had to do all this because the penalty for the law breaking that we did means that he had to go through all that to satisfy the payment for sin just like if you break a law or say if you've murdered someone i'm depending on what state you're in in the united states but normally if you murder someone and you're found guilty of murdering that person or persons then normally you would get the death penalty which means now you have lethal injection before it was the electric chair or you'd get gas um, so they had different ways to kill you, but your life would be taken because you took another life. Today, uh, right now, we're in April 2020, and uh, in the United States, I'm not sure around the world, but in, in the United States, different states have different laws. Uh, the majority that do have capital punishment, which means they go to KU for taking the life, is normally now uh, lethal injection because they said it's a nicer kind of way to die even though you may have brutalized someone else and killed them and murdered them but now they're going to be kind to you and, and then normally to get there it may take years it could take from 10 to 20 years or whatever you even get to that point because you have the appeals process and all this stuff and you go to court or whatever you know so i mean it, it's really something but it's definitely enough time to seek god before you die and this is what I'm trying to bring across now is to help you to understand you need to see God before you die because we can die at any moment, any second. We could drop dead of a heart attack, of a stroke. We could be murdered. We could be killed in an accident. So many ways that I die at work, depending on what type of work you do, whatever, anything, you can slip and fall and die. You know, there's so many ways to die. And so don't you want to know what's going to happen to you when you die? So I can tell you this, if you die without I'm repenting of your sins then putting on Christ as you would a parachute to save you from a jump because the plane is going to crash putting on Christ means to put your trust from yourself and transferring that trust to Jesus Christ to save you from the judgment to come that's that's the true gospel right there we've broken God's law the Ten Commandments therefore we're guilty and if God judges us by the Ten Commandments we would be found guilty and he would send us to hell. And it don't matter whether you believe it or not, 
that's the way it is. It's like if you look at a building, you know that building had a builder. Don't matter how long ago the guy, the person died or whatever, but that building says there is a builder. Somebody had to build it, just like somebody had to create this earth, created you and all that. And it's not what these people have come up, which is insanity. That who believe in evolution that we came from an amoeba and then became a fish with gills and then from there we slowly became like a frog that had that could live in water and land and walk up there and slowly become a lizard and then from a lizard to a, uh, some kind of monkey and then the, it takes more faith to believe in that than to believe in what the Holy Bible says God's holy word that says he created man and woman real simple but no, we want to complicate it because we don't want to go God's way. We want to go any way we want to go. But even a life, whatever country you live in, has laws for a reason. It's thought to have chaos and therefore everybody knows what to do and what not to do. But God has wrote his Ten Commandments, his moral laws on our hearts. That's why we automatically know that lying is wrong. Stealing is wrong. If you go to do something... You gotta have that feeling that is wrong. Now you can, uh, uh, um, you can uh, go against that feeling and do it anyways. But you know it's wrong. You know lying's wrong, stealing's wrong. Uh, you know taking God's name in vain is wrong. Or using God's name as a cuss word. You're not looking on another person with lust is wrong. You just automatically you know murder is wrong. You know this wrong. You know, and and that's because the Bible, because the Ten Commandments has that in there. You know, it says that thou shalt not take the Lord's name in vain, um, to keep the Sabbath holy, to honor thy mother and father, that your days may be long. Do not lie, do not steal, do not covet. That means wanting what somebody else has, whether it's a, it, it's a, a substantive thing or another person, the person's wife or husband or whatever it could be. That's coveting. You know, we're not supposed to do that. And, we're not supposed to bear false witness either, which means lying on someone else and getting them in a bunch of trouble because you're lying. It's it's all, we know all that is wrong because it's built into us. God has wrote his moral law, the Ten Commandments, on our hearts. Therefore, we know right from wrong once we get to that age of accountability where we know what's right and wrong is. Now, if, you, if you'll open up your Bibles to Judges, the Old Testament, chapter 7... Uh, chapter 7 through 8 and we're just going to touch on uh, um, the story the the true story of facts of Gideon that is in the Bible that was recorded in the Bible it's not stories actually recorded facts so I'm trying to get away from saying stories because now people think a story means it's made up and it's not it's facts so it says uh, uh, so Gideon defeats the Midianites early in the morning Jerubal, that is Gideon, and all his men camped at the spring of Herod. The camp of Midian was north of them in the valley near the hill of Morah. The Lord said to Gideon, see these were the enemies of the Hebrews or the enemies of Israel. And they, so God selected Gideon to lead the people he didn't want to because he came from a poor family or whatever and more like a farming type family. And he didn't really know anything about um military things and God was calling him and then what happened was he was the one that said well I need a fleece so he puts the fleece out there that means 
well, you proved to me that this is that's coming from you. And he says, if it's you, then wet the fleece. And so he got up the next morning, it was wet. And he still didn't quite believe it. He said, okay, make it dry. So then he make it dry the next morning. So then, he, you know, he totally got it. Okay. Well, so God's calling me to do this, even though I don't know what I'm doing. But he had to trust in God. And that's normally how it is, trusting in God. You may not know what you're doing and know everything, but you can put your trust in God and start learning about God and trusting in Him and let Him guide and direct you. So, uh, verse 2, The Lord said to Gideon, You have too many men. I cannot deliver Midian into their hands, or Israel would boast against me. My own strength has saved me. Now announce to the army, Anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So 22,000 men left when 10,000 remained. But the Lord said to Gideon, there, there are still too many men. Take them down to the water and I will thin them out for you there. If I say this one shall go with you, he shall go. But if I say this one shall not go with you, he shall not go. So Gideon took the men down to the water. There the Lord told him, separate those who lap the water with their tongues as a dog laps from those who kneel down to drink. Uh, verse 6, 300 of them drank from cupped hands, lack, uh, lapping like dogs. All the rest got on their knees to drink. The Lord said to Gideon, with, with 300 men that lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hands. Let all the others go home. Uh, verse 8, so Gideon sent the rest of the Israelites home, but kept the 300 who took over the provisions and trumpets of the others. Now the camp of Midian lay below him in the valley. During, so remember, the Midianites are the bad guys. During that night, the Lord said to Gideon, get, get up, go down against the camp, because I am going to give it into your hands. Verse 10, if you are afraid to attack, go down to the camp with your servant Puah, verse 11, and listen to what they say, what they are saying. That afterwards, you will be encouraged to attack the camp. So he, he and Puah had... Uh, his servant went down to the outpost of the camp. Verse 12, the Midianites, the Amalekites, and all the other eastern people had settled in the valley, thick as locusts. Their camels could no more be counted than the sand on the seashore. Verse 13, Gideon arrived just as a man was telling a friend his dream. I had a dream. He was saying a round loaf of barley bread came tumbling into the Midianite camp. It struck the tent with such force that the tent overturned and collapsed. Verse 14, his friend responded, This can be nothing other than the sword of Gideon, son of Joash the Israelite. God has given the Midianites and the whole camp into his hands. So already you see the fear is building up there for the bad guys. Verse 15, when Gideon heard the dream and his interpretation, he bowed down and worshipped. You see, Gideon went before God and he worshipped God. Before the battle, he was trusting in God, not in himself. Plus, God had made it where he had to trust in God. So instead of having all the thousands, he made it so low, it was 300, that the, it's thousands and thousands. So when they won the war, they knew that it only had to be God and God alone to help them to do it. 
Um, the, he, he returned to the camp of Israel and called out, Get up, the Lord has given the Midianite camp into your hands. Verse 16, dividing the 300 men into three companies, he placed trumpets and empty jars in the hands of all of them with torches inside. Verse 17, watch me, he told them, follow my lead with, uh, when I get to the edge of the camp, do exactly as I do. Verse 18, when I and all who are with me below our trumpets, then from all around the camp below, yours, yours and shout, for the Lord, for the Lord and for Gideon. Verse 19, Gideon and a hundred men, the hundred men with reached the edge of the camp at the beginning of the, the middle watch just after they had changed the gourd. They blew the trumpets and broke the jars that were in their hands. Verse 20, the three companies blew the trumpets and smashed the jars, grasping the torches in their left hands and holding their right hand the trumpets they were to blow, they shouted, A sword for the Lord and Gideon. Verse 20, While each man held his position around the camp, all the Midianites ran, crying out, and they fled. Verse 22, When the 300 trumpets sounded, the Lord caused the men throughout the camp to turn on each other with their swords. The army fled to Beth Shittah toward uh, Zerera, as far as the border of Abel, Mahola near Tabath. Verse 23, Israelites from Naphtali, Asher, and Al Manasseh were called out, and they pursued the Midianites. Verse 24, Gideon sent messengers throughout the hill country of Ephraim, saying, Come down against the Midianites and, and size the water, the waters of the Jordan ahead of them as far as Bethbarah. So all the men of Ephraim were called out and they seized the waters in the Jordan as far as Berah. They also captured two of the Midianite leaders, Orab and Zeb. They killed Orab at the rock of Orab and Zeb at the winepress of Zeb. They pursued the Midianites and brought the heads of Orba and Zeb to Gideon who was by the Jordan. So God gave him victory. I know it sounds brutal, but war is brutal. Damn my word for it. War is a brutal thing. You're not there to, to play tiddlywinks or to play cards. No, man. No. He, you're there to destroy one another because the other one's just trying to come against you or whatever the case may be. But if, when a country protects themselves, they got to go out and destroy those that are trying to destroy them or you will be gone. It's just that simple. You know? So yes, war is bad, but it is. And then some people say, why do we have war? Because, again, we live in a fallen world because of Adam and Eve. They disobeyed God. God threw them out of the of the Garden of Eden. That was perfect and had everything they wanted. And all God said was, don't eat of one tree. And they ate of that tree. And they had to be thrown out because God's word stands. And what he says goes and his rules stay. They don't change. We change all the time. Good, bad, ugly, whatever. But God doesn't change. He's always, what he says is what's going to be. So it's better to believe in that. That's stable. God is stable, man. You know? But but when you trust in yourself or somebody else besides God, it's going to fall every time, man. It's just you're sunk. You're done. You're finished. It's not happening. Uh, go to the New Testament and go to Luke chapter 5, verse 1 through 16. And here's what it says. Jesus calls his first disciples. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of 
uh, Gennesaret. The people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. Verse 2, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out the little, a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. Verse 4, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Verse 5, Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say you say so, I, I will let down the nets. Verse 6, when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. Verse 7, so they uh, signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. Then they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. Verse 9, For he and his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. Uh, verse 10, And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partner. You see, what's happening is like with Gideon, because Gideon put his trust in God alone, he gave them the victory over their enemies that were trying to destroy all of Israel. And it's with Jesus, the Son of God, who was God that came in the flesh. When Simon Peter understood, he went ahead and obeyed Jesus, even though he wasn't sure about him. He obeyed Jesus, got it. so Jesus gave him all these fish that they caught. But see, when you trust in God, in the end, it's going to work out for you. And in Romans uh, chapter 8, verse 28, Verse 20, it says, uh, um, all things will, will work together through God for our good, right? Now, it doesn't mean everything's going to go our way, but it just depends what God sees fit to do in our lives, what we need at the time. He may give us a blessing because that's what we need, or he may allow us to go through something hard or to have a hard life, you know, whatever, or, or, or what we consider hard. But you know what's going to happen? Either you're going to trust yourself and fail, or you're going to trust in God alone. They get the deeper things that we need to make you strong in Him. Yes, there's a lot of successful people that reject God. This is true. But if you talk to them, they don't have God. If you were to really ask them to be honest, they would tell you that all, all, all this stuff really doesn't mean anything. But when you have that, with God, then you can use it for God, which is the whole purpose of being. You know, we're, we're all looking for meaning. We're all looking for a purpose in our life. The meaning is found in God, in Jesus Christ, in the Word of God, reading the New Testament and the Old Testament. But it's in there. Everything you want to know about eternal life, about how to live your life, about what's good and what's bad, is in the Word of God. But it's up to you to choose God. In fact, Joshua said in the book of Joshua, he said, choose you this day who you will serve. He says, that's for me and my house. We shall serve the Lord. You see, you got to make a choice. Either trust in yourself, die and go to hell, or trust in Christ and do it his way. Because he's He's exclusive, not inclusive. You gotta go one, there's only one way to go, and that's his way. 
You can trust in him and have eternal life in heaven or reject him and have eternal damnation in hell where you'll have a special spiritual body that will burn forever and ever and ever where there's no time. You'll feel all the pain, hollering, screaming, gnashing of your teeth, a crunching of your teeth because the pain is so bad and it never stops. It never relinquishes. It, it continues over and over and over for eternity. No hope, no God, no nothing. Living in total, being in total despair for eternity at the worst sad moments that you can even think of and a thousand times worse than that. Saddest, depressive motives you ever had in your life. A hundred thousand times worse than that. Forever and ever while you're in pain. And you say, well, why would a loving God do that? God's not only loving, he's a holy and just God, and a just God has to render judgment. See, that's the part that's been removed. And who think removed that? Satan removed that. And he's made people think that, oh, it's a wonderful thing. And that's why I hear, oh, 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 God has a wonderful plan for your life. That's not the gospel. Because if God has a wonderful plan for your life, why do people suffer? Why do we go through different things? That's not the gospel. That's not truth, man. That's what you call a fake gospel, like you hear fake news, it's fake gospel. It, it's not real gospel. The gospel truth is going to be a hard time. There's diseases here. Why? Because we live in a fallen world. Because Adam and Eve disobeyed God, so therefore from that time, the curse of, of disobedience was a sin, came upon the earth, so everybody's born here. That's why we die. Our bodies are corrupted. They die from the time we're born, we start dying. So we live in a corrupt world, in a corrupt body, because of sin. And that's why there's so much evil. Then you say, well, why can't God just destroy evil? Because if he destroyed evil, we'd all be gone, because we're all evil. We're all bad, we're all evil. There is no good people here. Uh, what we call good in, on earth is not the same good as God has. The good with God is serving him. And doing the right thing and doing what the Bible says. Reading the Bible daily and do what it says. So he's saying, well, some of this stuff don't make any sense. Well, listen to this. Turn in your Bibles to 2 Thessalonians. So turn to your New Testament in your Bible. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 18. In the NIV, the International Version, it says this. He will, he will punish those who do not obey God and... And do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. Uh, in Acts chapter 17 and verse 30 in the New Testament, uh, the NIV and International Version, the King James, about the same. It says this in verse 30 of Acts chapter 17. In the past, God commands all... Uh, I'm mean, in the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. And if you go to John, in the New Testament, John chapter 14, verse 6, the King James Version, or NIV, whatever, King James, I'm reading the King James right now. It says this, John chapter 14, verse 6, New Testament. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father, but by me. Again, God is exclusive, not inclusive. You can't go to heaven any way you want to. There's only one way, and you got to go God's way. So, God is exclusive. There's only one way 
God's way, according to the Bible, God's word. You have to go His way. Because if you can go anyway, then it wouldn't, have, it wouldn't be any point to any of this. But it doesn't work that way. Satan, the evil of this world, has blinded people. In fact, blinded church. The church of today, the modern church, has been blinded. Because they're preaching that God has a wonderful plan for your life, which is no. It's not so. And people are falling away from hearing this because they don't understand why they need a Savior. Why they need God. Because the sin part's been removed. It's kind of like if you're dying of cancer, right? Well, you don't know you're dying of cancer and you go to the doctor. If he doesn't, uh, and he says he has the cure for you, but you don't know why you need a cure for him. Like, this makes no sense. But now when he sits you down and says, look, we found on these tests you've got cancer and you've got one month to live, but I have the cure if you want it. Oh, then you understand. Oh, I have this disease. I need this cure. It's the same thing. How are you going to know you need Christ if you don't realize why you need Christ? We need Christ because we've broken God's moral law, the Ten Commandments. Lying, stealing. So if you're lying, you're a liar. If you steal, you're a thief. Uh, if you look upon another person with lust, it says it's the same as adultery. So that makes us adulterers. If you, if, you, um, if you hate somebody, it's the same thing as murder. So you've murdered your murderer. You see, it's all this stuff. But once you understand that because we've broken God's moral law, now we've got to pay for it. But Jesus came and paid the price. So now if you, just like if you're about to, if you're in a plane that's about to crash, but you have a parachute, there's a parachute there, you put the parachute on and put your trust in that parachute to save you from the jump to come. It's the same with Christ. If you put on Christ, that means take Christ upon yourself, like you would a parachute, you put your trust in Christ to save you from the judgment to come. Because God's going to judge everybody. But also, when you die, if you're a, a, a true believer in Christ and have repented of your sins, ask God to forgive you of your sins and put your trust in Christ. When you die, immediately, your spirit goes to be with Him. Your spirit goes, goes to heaven. But if you, if you rejected God and don't know God, and never repented, when you die, you go directly to hell. But there's a judgment time when everybody will be brought back for the judgment. And so the ones that have served Christ will get the crowns of glory or get the, um, they'll get their rewards for serving Him. And those that have rejected Him will get the rewards of death and hell. But then from the judgment time, they'll be thrown to the lake of fire that's even worse than hell. Uh, you know, I was just reading, uh, it was a Presbyterian pastor that he had wrote a book, um, and it was in digital form, and, and so he, uh, he sent it to me in the email, and I was reading this thing, and he was basically denying that hell even exists, or he said if it does exist in the end, that everybody's going to be going to heaven. No, 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 that's not the word of God. He even put scripture in there, but he took it out of context. So, you know, you can take any book and use any sentence, whatever you want. Or you can mix it up to make it sound anywhere you want it. You can do the same thing with the Word of God. But I'm telling you now, that put your trust in God, not man. You see, when you put your trust in man like the Presbyterian pastor, 
He's leading his congregation and everybody else that's around him to hell. And he's going to be the first one in there. Yeah. No, put your trust in Christ alone. First, repent of your sins. That's God for forgiveness because you've broken God's moral law. Lying. Stealing. Looking at, other, looking at another person with lust, which is adultery. Hating someone that's murder. Uh, using God's name as a cuss word. That's using, God name, uh, that's using God's name in vain. Uh, that's my death in the Old Testament. Uh, dishonoring your parents. And so forth. Yeah. So you see, we've all, we're all guilty. Even if you've done it as a child, it don't matter. You've done it. You know? So, what are we going to do now? We're going to put your trust in Christ alone. First, talk to God. Prayer is just talking to God. Then ask God, come with a sorrowful heart, a contrite spirit, knowing you've broken God's moral law. Just like if you're standing, if you have to go to court, you go before a judge, you don't go there happy and disrespectfully because he's going to just lock you up automatically. No, you go sorrowful because you know you've messed up and now you got to pay a price. So have a sorrowful spirit, contrite heart. Ask God to forgive you of all your sins, of all your law breaking, breaking the Ten Commandments. Then transfer the trust from yourself to Christ alone and start reading the Bible daily and do what it says. Start in the book of John. For those that have never read the Bible, it's been a long, 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 long time. Start the book of John, New Testament. Finish that. Then start from Matthew. Finish that. But as you read Matthew, also start in Genesis. The Old Testament. Read some in the New and some in the Old. So you get the whole gist of everything. Let me pray for you. Our Heavenly Father, we come to you and for those who are watching this video and ask you, Father God, to lead them, guide them, and direct them. Father God, convict your hearts and help them to understand, open up their mind and their hearts, Lord, to what's been said here today in your scripture, Father God, and help them to want to start reading your Bible daily without fail and do what it says, Father God. Just help them and guide them as they turn to you and want to walk in your ways, Lord God, the straight and narrow way. Father God, and I thank you for doing this in Christ's name. So do it. Do it now because you don't know how long you have to live. You could be dead in the next two minutes or the next second. Do it. Do it now.